Good morning. I was just telling Richard bye. Um, so time changed and it's dark again. Mm, lovely. It's okay though. It's a little little dark in here. I don't know if you can hear me. Okay, Wi-Fi disconnected, so it kind of blacked out for a minute. Um, so it is not illegal to drive with a light in your car. Okay, you know how your parents, please, my mama always told me, oh, Melissa will get pulled over. No, let's get some law. She just didn't want it all. I mean, isn't that funny how people do that? They'll tell a kid some lie about something just so the kid is scared to do it. You know, and, um, just to put fear in these children or just to make them believe there's a reason that's really not the real reason so that they won't do what you don't want them to do. Um, but you know, I mean, that's, that's, but then you get mad when the kids lie to get older and they lie to you. Yo, you taught me how to lie. You taught me. Why that? My mother used to, phone would ring. We had caller ID. I think even before we did. You remember caller ID on the little phone that you had to pick up, mash the buttons? Tell them I'm not here. She would go step out on the front porch so that she wouldn't technically be there. So when I grow up, grew up, I, well, I still need to grow up. When I grew up learning how to lie and manipulate, I got in trouble. But you told me, you did it, you showed me that it was okay. Um, wow. I never thought of it like that as you showed me it was okay. Huh. I, I thought of it as I learned it from you. But I learned it from you, but no, it was wrong. But no, you told me it was okay. You taught me. I went by your example. Now, granted, I knew it was wrong still, but I still tried it. I was always one that, uh, I'm going to babble a little bit because I'm about to cross over this bridge and it may come in and out, so I don't want to be in the middle of the story and then it kind of flicker and you're not going to hear the story. That's so aggravating. So this is just babble, babble, babble. Babble, babble, babble. All right. Um. So when I was younger and I would do something I wasn't supposed to do or I would lie about something, I knew I was going to get caught because she always called me. She could look at me and tell when I was lying. She'd be like, Melissa, I can tell. All right. It even started before we moved into our old house. We were living in my grandmother's house while our house was being built. She would tell me, Melissa, how do you go to school or do your homework or this and that? And I would lie about it. She knew I would lie. And so she said, I'm going to call your teacher. Well, that got me sometimes. She lied to me, told me she's going to call my teacher. Well, so I would get scared and I would tell her the truth. Okay, well, then I realized she don't even have my teacher's phone number. So I'm going to call her. You can call her. Oh, Melissa, you really do? Yeah, you can call her. I didn't. But I got one step ahead. 
I was one step ahead of her. Um, <laughs> might need to change the title of this. I'll, I'll talk about some happiness, but for now, we're going to talk about dishonesty. You know, I had to <laughs> do, when I worked at a rehab facility, I was supposed to go to this kids' camp, Georgia Baptist Association camp, and it was these kids, and I was supposed to do a presentation on K to K through five, and I'm working at an addiction recovery place. Now, you know that most of them probably knew a little bit about some addiction, alcoholism, or something. You know, their parents, friends heard it, watched it, whatever. But for the most part, a lot of them weren't really going to grasp the drugs. And they were too young to even worry about it. Yeah, I could have scared them out of it. And I did try to, I mean, tell them some of the truth behind it in a way that children could understand. But I got the extra large Legos. And on the Legos, I wrote down lie, steal, this and that. And little bitty, um, little things that, that kids do that I did when I was a kid and tried to get away with at their age, at a very young age, I was already lying and stealing from my mother and from stores. I mean, in second, third grade, because I wanted it. So I got a stole from a teacher. I'll get to that in a minute. I, um, but I had these blocks and I put like uh, what you would think of a little sin or a little disobedient act on each block. But then I told them how, you know, it gets so much easier once you tell one to add another one on top of it. And when one might not seem like a big deal, when you keep adding them on top of it, because when you lie and then you get questioned about it, you got to remember the lie and you got to tell another one. You just got to keep the lie going so that piles up. And then when you get away with lying, you feel like you can be dishonest in other ways and you take that pack of bubblegum and all that stuff, and I showed how it builds up, and then, you know, how it's, um, how it's harmful, and so uh, the, the people over the camp that were in there with the kids from time to time, or the chaperones, that's what I meant, they were really, they really liked it, they really liked the fact that I could put it on a child level, but still get a good point in teaching across, which it was God knowing for me what I could do for myself, um, so stealing from my teacher, I stole some white out. Why? Because I would get distracted easy in class, and I would just kind of daydream. I would daydream. I would do my work. I would talk to people, and I would daydream. And do my work. So to keep me from being distracted by other people, there was a large box. It was somewhat like a refrigerator box. And the standing up tall, one side of it was cut out, that's where my desk was. So there was nothing behind me, but on the three other sides, right, left, and front, I had a cardboard box. That was embarrassing. It was hard, and I was mad. So to retaliate, I sold the white out. Well, she didn't know, but my mother found it and made me return it. Now, that was the most embarrassing thing, but I didn't feel like I could tell my mother, Mama, she put me in a box. It's just because when I grew up, 
you listen to people older than you. You listen to those who are supposed to be in the authority figure. You respect your elders. And if they tell you to do something, you do it. Point blank, period. There was no if, ands, or buts. Um, my brother was getting in trouble at school because he was doing things. He would do things. He would correct the teacher on some things. Okay, so he's correcting the teacher. He is brilliant. Oh, my goodness. But um, so he would, and it's like the, the math, the math, I think it was, that he would do the problem, but he didn't have to show the work. So he didn't see why he had to show the work. So he would get in trouble. Well, so my mother believed the teacher, even though he was trying to tell her what was going on, that she was against him. I had that same teacher in fifth grade. She straight up told me in front of the whole class, you're going to be just like your brother. You're not going to amount to anything. All right. So that was like, so then I just like, forget you and failed her class because I just stopped doing some of my work. I stopped. I gave up. I, I gave in. And I didn't do the easiest subject. My favorite subject, reading, reading comprehension. I loved it. Well, no, I didn't love it. I'm not going to say I loved it, but I was really good at it. I like stories. I like imaginating, imaginative things. <laughs> imaginating. I love imaginating. Um, so all of that was, was really, really kind of took a toll on me, I guess. And I guess with my brother and stuff, I didn't, I didn't tell my mother, mother, she told me this. That's why I failed. So when the school called my mother, because parents could allow their children to pass the grade, it was kind of up to the parent. Well, she never really asked what happened. I never really told her what was going on. And she just told them, yeah, she could go ahead and hold me back. Um, that's neither here nor there. You know, it's really, it's old news. She thought she was doing what? Because she trusted the teachers. Because I didn't open my mouth and say anything. I didn't speak up for myself. Never felt I had the ability. The Yeah, really, the ability, the permission. The permission to speak up for myself. I had no voice. Um. Happiness. This is where some happiness comes in because my voice brings me happiness. You know, if I'm if I'm continuously giving in to people and not speaking up for the right, or you know, allowing myself to be treated ways without voicing what what's going on with me, or when I was went back to college for Christian ministries and I had a question. In, in elementary and middle and high school, I wouldn't ask a question because I was so embarrassed because I felt like a failure and fear of rejection. When I was in college, man, you should have seen my hand fly up. What? I had a question. All right. Hey, excuse me. You know, and I wasn't like, hey, excuse me, but raise my hand if I had a question. There was no, I did not care what any of those people around me thought of me because this was important to me. This was a priority. This goes back to the boundaries, not letting other people overstep into what is my untouchable. And this was very important to me. Well, in finding my voice, I found happiness. And I'm going to tell you, when I found my voice, when I was able to say that myself, when in regards to 
to relapse to use it. When I was able to say no and and do my own thing, I was able to tell other people no. I was able to find my voice with other people. So I've got to be able to tell myself no in order to tell other people no. And not just no, but in order to walk through a room and not fear that I'm going to be walking funny or somebody's going to be looking at me and I'm going to make a mistake or I'll have a wrinkle in my clothes which that was not it. Um, I always felt like that <laughs> you're ugly and your mama dresses you funny kid so shy and insecure would try in any sports or anything active because I wasn't an active person and it wasn't that I didn't want to because it looked like so much fun it was because I had such a fear of rejection never felt good enough and I was going to trip or I was going to laugh at me blah 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 um, later years I did kind of grow out of that a little bit in certain company but in recovery in working the steps I learned that when somebody says hey you want to go to the store with me meaning my mother and, and Richard if I'm already like Richard if I'm already in my PJs I'm probably going to say no because I don't want to. If I hadn't gotten my PJs yet, yeah, let's ride. Or if it's on the weekend or something like that, yeah, let's ride. But if I'm already just sitting down, relaxing, having a snack, love, whatever, probably don't want to just run to the store to grab, to grab a bait or grab candy or, or whatever. You know, just whatever store. Um, my mother, Melissa, will go to the grocery store with me? Melissa, I got to go to this place. You want to meet me there? You got anything you need from there? Because you need to meet me. No. I am completely happy in my own skin. And I do not need the approval of others in order for me to find happiness. I'm happy. You know, I started finding happiness and speaking for myself. Um. With my recovery, then I kind of got, kind of fell back into doing things out of feeling obligated and just stuff like that, doing things because I didn't want to tell people no. It wasn't because I feared they reject me, it's because I felt like I was obligated to. Now, that, that brings me down because I'm not being true to myself on the Usually on the year or so, AA medallion, it says to thine own self be true. That's got to be first, first of all, you've got to be true to yourself. Because I had somebody, I don't remember, it was years ago, but they, they, they can see it in me, I guess. And this is what I was, I mean, teenager, drunk all the time. Me and my cousin Christy, man, we used to drink. We used to drink the grown men under the table. I mean, we were finally just as much as they were. So, it was fun. I fit in. Woohoo! I fit. I wasn't rejected. Well, I guess somebody kind of picked up on it. It was some friends of ours. And they took, it was her boyfriend actually, he took me to the bathroom mirror and he said, Who do you see? I said, Me and you. And then he stepped out of the out of the, my vision in the mirror, he said, now who do you see? I said, me? He said, exactly. You're the only one that you 
got to worry about. You're the only one. People are going to walk in and out of your life all your life. You're the only one that's always going to be there. You've got to take care of yourself. Okay, so yes, I was like maybe 17. Yeah, I'm 16 or 17, maybe 17 when this happened. And it was profound. And now I use it for other people. That's why I say sometimes some of the things when I used to work in the rehab, I would tell people, you know what, this might not, this this experience, eight weeks, might not be for you, but you're here for eight weeks, give it 100%. You'll get something out of it. You might not need it. You might not stay clean, but you'll get something out of it. You will learn something out of this eight weeks if you give it 100%. And besides, I was told this too, even if it's not for you, you can learn something and gain an understanding that can help somebody else. And that might be your purpose being here. So give it your 100%. Give it all you got. Get everything you can out of it. A lot of people did. And that, that was good. Um, a lot of people did. But they got something out of it. They know there's another way. Even if they relapse, they know there's a different way. They know that they don't have to live like that. And um, that's, that's what they need to know. It's about planting seeds and watering seeds that have already been planted. You might be the planter and not the waterer. You might be the waterer and not the planter. Um, you may plant the seed, other people water it, and then later on, you help harvest it. You know, you don't know. You don't know how life is supposed to work. But we are created for each other. We're not created... That sounds contradictory. We are created to help each other, but you cannot help other people unless you help yourself. And if you're not happy, you don't find happiness, then you're not going to be willing to stretch out, to, to reach out. Tell me this. Right. When you're happy, you're just happy inside. Are you bitter and irritated and just kind of still and no, you're expressive, you're smiling, you're bringing another piece of joy to other people. You're not bringing people down, you're bringing them up. So you have to be happy in order to bring people up. To truly, I mean, you can still tell them stuff that'll brighten their day and stuff and help them have a good day. Even if you're not happy, you can speak into the lives of other people. But to genuinely make an impact, and some long-term lasting effects, you got to take care of yourself. You don't not act happy. Be happy. That goes back to the boundaries and, and setting goals because if you're letting other people interfere with what's important to you, then you're letting yourself down. And that, that's going to bring that's going to break your happiness. It's going to it's going to take away so much joy. Let me tell you. I'm 43 years old, and I've never been happier. I have a job um, opportunity that I may take, depending on what their answer to my last question is. Um, I have my business, the Grow Better. I forgot to introduce myself. Woo! Okay, so I'm Coach Mel. I am with Grow Better LLC. This is a life empowerment coaching business. I like to specialize in goal setting and really focus on the recovery community 
and those with mental health. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I cannot diagnose you. I cannot treat you. But what I can do is help you find yourself and grow better. So you can visit my website. It is www.growbettercoach.com. And you can also email me, GB, as in grow better, with coachbell at gmail.com. So those are ways you can get in touch with me. I'm on Facebook that I'm somewhat active on. I post stuff from time to time. I have my podcast streaming, the video stream that's on YouTube and Facebook, Grow Better. And then I also have the podcast that plays on Spotify and some other, I believe it's on Google Podcasts. I, I use Anchor and StreamYard. So those are the ones that are just amazing because they let me record it, they let me upload it, they let me, and then they distribute it for me. So isn't that great? They do the distributing for me, which is amazing, because I'm not that advanced. I'm not, I'm learning. We're always learning, we're always growing. You don't have happiness, then you're not gonna have a lot of completeness. You know, my life is good. Um, it took, I tried to succeed a few times, but I didn't have what I needed. I didn't have the, the other, the other part, something was missing and I found it. It's Richard. I'm not saying that he's a miracle worker. I'm not saying I can't live without him because the same way he can go without me, he can, he can be fine without me. I can be fine without him, but I don't want to be fine. I want to be amazing. And to be amazing, he's my biggest support. He's my he's my puzzle piece. He's, he's, he, he fills in that extra. And I try to do the same for him. Um, it's just, it's, it's, we have a good thing. We have a good thing. He motivates me. He makes me want to be a better person because of how good he is. And it's, it's really, it's brought me so much happiness. So 43 years old, never been married, don't have any children, and I'm happy, you know? My life is good. Had a flat tire Sunday. All right, so I talked about that. I talked about my flat tire, and then get there, and the other tire is just as bad. It just had gone flat. Got fixed. Well, I get a message from Richard when I'm at work, and it's a picture. He had a flat tire. Okay, so yeah, it's frustrating. It's irritating. And that's, you know, of course, it's a flat tire. But we stayed happy through it. After it was over, it's over. We got it taken care of. We had the ability to get it taken care of. We didn't have to wonder, oh, no. I mean, we don't have much. Mind you, we don't have much. But we have enough to maintain and keep going. And that's that's really, really what motivates us to keep on. Because we do. We, I was able to get two tires. They're used. They're mismatched. But they're the same size. Just maybe a different tread design. But all the tread was good. So other than that, you know, hey. It's fine. 
we were able to get two new tires. And then yesterday he was able to get the car to the place and get his plugs. So we were able to create solutions. That If that doesn't make somebody happy, I don't know what it does. Do I want that 1400 Yes, I want it. I would get four new tires and not the cheap ones like I did last time. Oh, I got to go change. I should be able to get changed today. <laughs> Yay, nice. Um, probably do it at lunch. So, I'm just telling you, guys, be happy. Be happy in order to create happiness in others. You've got to create it in yourself. Set your boundaries. Do what's important to you. Make sure your priorities are taken care of. Make sure you're taken care of. Don't live for other people. Live for yourself. You're the only one going to be there forever. So I hope each and every one of you has an amazing day and um, just kill it today. Just kill it today. Be happy. Spread joy. Enjoy your day. Bye-bye.